so-called preventive light is Eric. Don't forget to supplement. Med Family is a show about a family journeying through medical school with kids and navigating married life. Tag along to see how we got here and where this journey is taking us. Hello, welcome to another week of our podcast, Med Family. I'm Eric Acker, the host with Karen. Hey guys. So we've been doing a few long, long uh, episodes the last couple of weeks, so I think we're going to try to go for something shorter just because it's bit late. We're trying to meet the deadline of getting this posted by Wednesday, and honestly, I'm just a little tired. So, <laughs> we're, I guess, uh, catches up on what we've done this week, Karen. So, Eric got the mower running. <laughs> it lives. It lives. Um, still some back brain issues, which I think you have diagnosed and are, I have an idea. I'm gonna are work going on. to work on fixing that, but it does run it does move um we have not attached the actual um blades to it so we will see if it actually mows once (laughs) he's looking at me like you of little faith (laughs) the fact that it turns on and it actually moves is this like the giant the biggest victory because even i was like i'm not sure like like, i never he tells me this now after we've invested. Well, I, I bought I bought the thing knowing that it was broken. It was it was a broken project. Like, I, oh, I can fix a small. I can fix car engines. Why can't I fix a tiny little engine? So, yes, I did buy it knowing it was broken. We knew that. I just wasn't really sure like how broken it was because <laughs> the guy who gave it to me like it was running at one point according to him, and then it just stopped running because of the carburetor. And so I was like, I can, I can fix that. But like in the back of my mind, it's like, but that could just be a line, you know? Like, oh yeah, the carburetor broke, but the entire engine like exploded or something. <laughs> um, so this is good and glad it's, uh, it lives. So needs a little bit of work, but, uh, and then like Karen said, the, the blades, the, the cutting deck actually has to be reassembled and, uh, probably sharpen the blades and reattach, and then we will be in uh, working order, hopefully. We'll yeah. see. So Eric sanded it all down, paint, repainted it, and he has fixed it so that it starts and moves. So that's a lot of work. Um, we've been doing doctor's appointments for our middle child. <laughs> we were hoping to get a little bit farther than we have, <laughs> But um, it seems like we've kind of reached some sort of impasse. But I am looking into pediatricians in Fayetteville for when we get there. Um, Hopefully, we find someone good and we can kind of continue the continue the work up. Yeah, we were thinking uh, when I was younger, I had hearing issues, and we are thinking that he might have some as well. Um, and for the past month or so, we we know that he's had. Some fluid buildup in his ears, and we went to go get his hearing checked today, and he still has fluid buildup. But um, our pediatrician wants to continue Doing with medical intervention, so like medication, like so, like Flonase and Zyrtec. So we got to do that for about a month, yeah. <laughs> and then once that's done, they want us to come back to see them. But by about a month, we're going to be in Fayetteville, so we're trying to follow up with a different doctor in Fayetteville and see how it goes. Yeah. 
So I ended up with a few sets of tubes in my ears when I was younger, and so we were wondering if that might be um, our middles. He's, maybe he's having same similar issue, not draining appropriately. Yeah. So um, we've been working on that as well as um, just trying to get the house work completed. Um, Eric did a good portion of the backyard. We're just kind of waiting for the grass where the <laughs> well the digging operations where were the conducted. digging operations and the playhouse was to actually grow. So the kids have not been able to go play out in the backyard. We should probably bring them to the park at some point. Um, so yeah, just kind of moving towards making everything. Uh, look nice before we leave. Um, we are actually going to take a trip up to North Carolina this week, finalize everything on purchasing our home, God willing, and hopefully... Thing, things appear have, to be going coming into place. Yes. So. Hopefully we will have a house by the end of this week, and we will have a storage unit by the end of this week, and Eric's fingerprint cards will be turned in by the end of this week. So... Um, all steps in the right direction. But um, when Eric and I were talking about this episode, we were talking over what we wanted to discuss. <laughs> <laughs> Since I'm not really doing medical stuff right now, I still want to try to keep this a medical podcast as much as we can. So uh, I, we were thinking of um, just kind of things that helped us along the way, um, especially leading up to interviews. So right now, um, the next set of interviews is a ways away. It's almost, what, seven months? Well, it's actually not as far away as you think. I mean, we're in May. Um, realistically, like about this time last year, I think I was wrapping, getting close to May, June, about June, I was probably, June, July, I was wrapping up my last core, um, core rotation and studying for step two and getting ready for a fourth year electives. And, you know, like basically that just means like you're building your EROS application. So it's like just, it's just like September, which is like four months away. Oh, yeah. I guess it isn't. It just seems like it's such a long process. So um, kind of going into it, start early. <laughs> <laughs> start early. Um, but we were kind of talking about um, when you're rotating, uh, we felt like, as the interviews progressed, Eric was asking better and better questions. And part of that was because he was used to interviewing, but also part of that was he was talking to um, his preceptors or attendings that he was working with and asking them what they, what what, they would recommend or what they thought of each program or what, what they wished they knew before they started the program. Yeah, and several questions were ones that we had never thought of or a, just a different point of view. And so maybe as you're going through your fourth year electives or even third years, start asking your preceptors these questions and write down what, what ones kind of stick with you and what's important to you. Um, it's a good way to have a question that nobody else does mm -hmm. and to sound intelligent about something that you don't necessarily know about. So, because, I mean, as much as... <laughs> The first two years are pretty self-explanatory. You're going through, you're doing all of your like textbooks and tests and all that. Third year is kind of a was kind of a mystery going into it. Fourth year is kind of expected, but then this whole application process is kind of you're just learning as you go. And so the more you 
ask questions, the better knowledge base you have, the more intelligent you can sound when you come yeah. to an interview. I mean, there's some general, and I think we've touched on these in the past, but general pearls for um, questions and interviews is, I mean, there's obviously some things you, you want to stay away from. You want to generally stay away from compensation questions. You want to generally stay away from uh, time off questions. It, while it's important, it, it can possibly be seen as, I have heard from one program director directly where they said that people asking about time off is a red flag for them because it sounds like they want to go on vacation before they've even started the work, uh, which uh, that's a, that's one mentality to take, I guess. But I mean, obviously we all work, um, we all work for also to have vacation as well. So <laughs> I don't, I don't see any real issue of asking about it, being curious about what um, kind of benefits you're going to get, but just keep in mind that some programs do think about it like that. So those are usually my thoughts, probably like, you know, avoiding compensation questions, um, avoiding things that uh, can be seen as very divisive, I think, sometimes. Uh, I'm not really sure which is specifically for that, but um, I'm trying to think what else. I, I have been given advice, like you can, usually you're given like an agenda for the interview and you can look up, who you're going to interview with and try and some people was like, Oh, well you look up their past publications and ask them about it. And I don't know. I think that's a hit and miss thing. Um, I did it for the first couple interviews and then I kind of stopped doing it because, um, a lot of the preceptors I, I talked to or the people I interviewed with had their names on research that they didn't really have much of, um, a hand in like they might, have put the names on the research page paper to help get it published. And they might've provided some counseling for it, but they didn't really do a whole lot. So it was definitely, cause I remember asking a few of them about it and they were like, Ooh, uh, I don't even remember that one. Or like, yeah, I just kind of had my name on it. I didn't really do the research. So I'm not really good. I'm not going to be able to speak to any of the, the findings there. And they were, I mean, I think they were a little impressed that like, Oh man, this guy actually found, something that I published, but at the same time, like they weren't able to answer it. So, uh, you take that as a trade off, like you kind of inadvertently embarrassed the person that you're interviewing and you might've impressed them, but you know, which, what, which one's going to be what they remember later. Well, and too, if you don't have a whole bunch of research on your own CV, they might turn it around and ask you about your research and either why there isn't a ton of it or what research you have done. So if that is not one of your strengths, that might not be something that you want to ask going forward. Yeah. I mean, it's a, they never really turned it around on me, but I can see that that can be a possibility. Uh, but I'm not saying don't do it. Obviously, I did look up my preceptors or all the people I was going to interview with and try to figure out where they were in the in the organization, like what did they do, what kind of licensing, where do they go to school, uh, just some basic information so that if I did have an opportunity to ask them more personal questions, I could. Um, but I did find from talking to my preceptors that there were other questions I could ask. Uh, another thing is uh, experience is kind of a, a good teacher as well. I'm not saying experience in interviews as much as like the away rotations uh, did open my eyes a little bit about how programs actually work. And not, just at least a couple programs anyway, but gives you kind of a, 
an intro to the residency programs by doing an away rotation that you could possibly go, okay, this is how this program was structured. And I'm talking to a few of the residents within the program. You understand that there's different structures, different um, scheduling, like, for example, the scheduling patterns, like a four to one, or um, I think it's like a, there's even like a four to two. There's all these different little ratios for how many weeks you're on the wards versus in clinics. Um, how they do all that is different from one program to the next. How they handle call, do they handle call, uh, all that stuff. So every program has a little bit of different flavor. Um, it's really hard to kind of get into that. I don't even know it totally myself, but uh, you do get some experience talking to residents about it. So you, you might be able to ask a little bit more intelligently just because you want to know, because these are things you just don't know. But after being exposed to it, you get at least a better idea of what you're looking for. Um, generally speaking, I know I talk about like their scheduling habits, like, oh, how how many times, how many weeks you're in the wards versus how many weeks you're in the clinic. Um, legitimately, that's probably not the biggest deal. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, some people swear by one or the other, others, like, I don't know, like one person I think told me it doesn't really matter. Nobody really knows what you want. Nobody knows what they want until, you know, that's the only thing you're exposed to is one way. So why would you know anything different? So it's not really a deal breaker. But there's other things like uh, one resident talked to me about food in the physician's lounge. While this is kind of a fringe benefit, that might be something you could talk to the residents about. Like, what's the what's the food situation like? It's not a huge deal, but like you're going to spend a lot of hours at the hospital, so it might be good to know. Like, is this is does, does the hospital feed you? <laughs> is it free? Is it if it's not free? Then uh, just kind of keep that in mind, in the back of your mind. Like, okay, they're going to charge me for food. They're probably going to charge me for other things too. And you're you know, you're there to learn. You're there to be a student. You're there to be a doctor as well. But, like, if you're being kind of nickel and dime by the hospital for food, they're probably going to nickel and dime you for other things, too. So that's something to kind of, that was one, something that one resident told me as well. Uh, kind of something to keep in the back of the mind. Um, and then, of course, the attendings I worked with, like Karen said, gave really good advice about how, especially in, in total medicine, how do you, how do programs uh, recruit for preceptors is it an internal medicine group that provides internal medicine services to the hospital that provides the the teaching and the quote unquote academic advice or academic uh, aspect to the program, or is it actual paid by the uh, paid by the program directly faculty members that are very specific to teaching? There's a little bit of a difference there. Uh, I think place to place it's going to look a little bit differently. I don't think it's as cut and dry as some preceptors made it out to be. Some would say if you're at a university program, it's 100% university programs have academic professors and attendings that are paid by the program. So they're all there just to teach you. And so therefore you get a better learning experience. Whereas other programs that are not affiliated with universities, they don't have academic they don't have academic attendings i don't think that's true um and from my experience at northeast georgia i know that's not true but that doesn't mean it's not true for some places so it's still a good question to ask about how how does the program recruit faculty members to to help run the program like 
if you're on the medical uh, medical wards, inpatient wards, and in, internal medicine, it's nice to know like who's going to be. How do you guys recruit for attendings to do to take on that role? Because if it's just oh, we have a contracted group of internal medicine doctors who've agreed to teach residents, that may not be as great of an experience as we have hired attendings to fill, fill this role specifically. Like So there's like six attendings or something like that that specifically are hired to see patients and teach you, and they're paid by the program. The program owns these people. Um, so different. Uh, those are the, kind of some questions that I was taught. Uh, other, I guess, don'ts. Um, it's a huge don't. Don't go on to Reddit and find clever questions to ask because every other medical student has done that. Every other medical student has asked that program director or that attending that same question a thousand times, and they are sick of it. Um, so I, I would say, like, try to avoid the obvious questions and try to avoid the uh, overused questions. And, and if you've seen it on Reddit, you've seen it online, it's probably overused. Um, Another thing is... Um... I don't know how interviews are going to be structured next year, obviously, but it seemed like for most programs, you had about three interviews with different people. Don't use up all of your questions on your first interview. Make sure that you spread them out throughout the interviews so that you don't get to the end and not have any questions. Yeah, one of the questions I, I like to ask, and I don't know if this is asked very often, but... It's either how do you um, how how would you advise a you know a fourth year medical student to prepare for intern year, or another variation on this question is um, what are things some things that uh, as an, you think interns should know getting into their intern year? What are things that you um, I don't know basically something like that or. Advice, like what would you rec- what, what kind of advice would you give a fourth year medical student who's looking at starting an in- into intern year? How can they be successful, or what are the biggest obstacles to interns uh, for, from be for them being successful? Uh, I think those are different variations of that same question, but you can get some pretty good advice. I think it's different because it's just asking what they I think, and you get very different answers from everybody else, and I think. As much as that can provide some insight, that can provide some insight into your attendings and what they feel is important. But it also, I think, puts them as puts on them like you're just asking advice because even if you don't get this residency, at least you're walking away with some advice that you can go on to the next residency or when you match, and you have like I don't know a dozen different statements of advice that you could consider or you know. Uh, <laughs> aggregate together and um, make a plan of action. But I mean, some of those advice are going to be contradictory. Like I think some people advise like, just take take a break, take a vacation. Don't don't even worry about it. <laughs> don't even prepare. You're you'll learn everything you need to learn in intern year during intern year. And other people are like, you should know the top ten reasons why people go, get admitted to the hospital for every system. Yeah. Well, and some of them are more broad, like one of the biggest obstacles for people in intern year is time management. And so we focus a lot on time. Like, so. <laughs> yeah. 
or know your physical exams, like how to do physical exams and what they mean. Um, that's kind of goes also into time management as well. So uh, you can get some asking some advice from the program directors and the people you're interviewing with can be, I think, just helpful. Um, I, I don't generally like the uh, some, occasionally you'll get some attendings during interviews that will just be like, well, why don't you just ask me all the questions you have? And this would be a time for you to just ask questions and I'll answer. I don't love that. I like answering questions. I like because I can usually figure out a question, you know, figure out how to answer a question, give my honest answer, try to um, go from there and then kind of get the see if I can get any feedback from them, you know, based on my answer, like what what's the reaction to it? if I'm doing well or not, whereas if I'm just asking questions and they're answering, uh, sometimes you kind of feel like, man, I have 20 minutes to kill here, so how am I going to kill 20 minutes by asking a whole bunch of questions, especially since I this is probably my third or uh, fourth interview of the day. You know, I've talked to four of the people, so I don't have any more questions. <laughs> I'm at the end of my rope here, but you don't want to be like, I got no questions and let the let it be dead silence. Um, I don't know. It's it's hard. Interviewing season is not uh, not easy for you as the applicant, and I imagine it's probably not that easy for the the interviewers because they also have to fill up the time and they have to show up. I think one of the things that always struck me, and this is kind of a weird observation, maybe a tangent, is that every just about every interview I went. Uh, in the Zoom lobbies, you would see all the applicants, and they're all dressed up um, appropriately. There's a couple, uh, one interview in particular that was notable exceptions to that rule, but um, for this tangent, let's put those aside, uh, there was like multiple interviews where the attendings would show up, and like they, you know, I'm in suit and tie, and they're like in wrinkled clothes and like really disheveled and it's like oh okay uh you know like i i showed up and you're kind of just here uh, and that, that's not meant to <laughs> they're be they're fitting like, you into their busy like, schedule they're obviously like doing a whole bunch of stuff and they're like oh now it's interview time and they log in like they didn't show up in a suit and tie obviously that they, they they still have a whole day of work ahead of them but it was kind of an interesting um dichotomy here where it's like obviously i'm here to impress and they're there to ask questions. Uh, so, um, I don't know. That's kind of a weird critique. I don't know. I, I, I guess in my mind, it's like if I'm you're asking me to dress up, you should probably dress up as well. But I understand that a lot of these people have other jobs to do. And like Karen said, they are feed, fitting me in. <laughs> um, was there anything else we wanted to... I don't know if there's anything else really to... No, I think we're going to see if we can't get our... Um, special podcast um edited we have one um that we've been talking about forever never doing anything yes um and we're gonna try and see if we can get a couple more going um especially towards end of may early june we are gonna have just eric and i are gonna have a lot of things going on back to back to back so um we're gonna work on getting a few in the bank for you guys, if there is anything that you would like to hear about or questions you have about um, either the application process for residency or um, some of the steps leading up to 
please feel free to reach out and we can talk about it on the show or we can just shoot you a message back. Um, and yeah. Last question, Karen. Are we medic med influencers? No. I, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was a quick answer. <laughs> no. No. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> We don't have a TikTok channel, huh? Um, we will never have a TikTok channel. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, we will never have a TikTok channel. We are doing this just because we felt like we there was a lack of information out there for us, and so we were hoping that this might be useful to other people. It's also kind of just a little bit of a, a diary, I yeah. guess, or and journal. We, we for enjoy us. it a little bit too. So yeah. So um, Instagram MedFamilyMD. Or you can follow us, uh, or, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Instagram is the best way to reach us. And uh, follow our podcast on any of the major podcasting sites. And then so we did keep it short this week, so we will <laughs> we will talk to you guys next week. Bye.